Hi, I'm Corey Nathan, and this is Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. Your home for engaging conversations about the topics that matter most in our culture. If you love nuance, if you want to better understand different points of view, if you're tired of the screamers taking all the oxygen out of the room, if you'll enjoy edifying, provocative, and fun conversations among high-profile public figures and regular folks like me, you love talking politics and religion without killing each other. Thanks for spending some time with us. Enjoy today's show. Okay, before we even start, I got to say that I promised our guest today that we would publish this interview unedited. So, Mr. Mystery Guest, what is the over-under on me saying a bunch of shit today that I'm really going to regret? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't. It, there is no over-under. Like, oh, man. Just started and I'll, we just started, and I'll tell you to go fuck yourself since you can't edit this. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> All right, my pastor just turned tuned out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're no, good. You, you know you're not, man. I, this is the format. Like, this is what podcasting is. And yeah. um, look, from Drinking Bros podcast and Ross Patterson Revolution, we've done over 1,500 episodes at this point, right? Yeah. And there is guests that come on and, and who are, don't swear and they don't uh, do anything. Uh, we have a, a co-host that, that pops on a bunch, uh, John Brinkus who hosted uh, ESPN Sports Science. He's on a lot. He does not swear uh, or anything else. Uh, but then there's guys who just go score shirt all day, like Alex yeah. Jones or, or you know, somebody else. So I, it, that's the format of podcasting, and it's, it's kind of just letting it fly no matter what it is. Because yeah. if you're trying to dull it down, especially in a, in a podcast with a subject matter like yours, dealing with politics and religion, yeah. it's going to get heated from people, man. There's no way right. around it. So Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the good thing is, is I, I am who I am. I'm pat my pastors know, you know, I might, I might be a Bible thumping born again Christian, but I drink, I curse, I play poker uh, or I take measured risks, which is what people who gamble a lot say they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I we, we have a gambling sponsor on, on the sports show, mybookie.com. And uh, it's the like even the name. You're just like, oh, so you you gamble. You're a fucking gambler. That's what you you're a degenerate junkie is what you do. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Here's the spread for Ohio State on Saturday. It's 20 and a half. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, I should do the intro at some point, right? We're talking politics and religion without killing each other. I am your host going solo today. Ronnie is getting over some jet lag, just flying out from New York to SoCal, where you have to do nothing but sequester and apparently go to strip clubs. That's all you can do, right? <laughs> yeah, in San Diego, at least. So San yeah. Diego, they open it up and, um, you know, they definitely want the strip clubs in there. And now the churches are suing because they want the churches open up if strip clubs are. So the beauty of it is in their lawsuits, they're actually citing the strip club case. <laughs> so the, the churches are forced to cite a strip club opening in their lawsuits towards the state, which is awesome. That is poetic. I love that. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the good thing is, even without Ronnie, you are in good hands because we are co-produced by my pal Tristan Drew, who also happens to be one of today's guests, best friends in the world, going back to the Ohio State University days, right? Correct. Correct. Um, and like us, review us, do all that stuff because we need the rankings. And without further ado, please welcome, you might have guessed already, Ross Patterson to the program. Insert applause. There it yes. is. Yes. There it is. And there I promise I wouldn't make the same mistake I made last time, which is bury the lead. Ross, 
for those who don't know, is a New York Times best-selling author, actor, writer, director, producer, freaking media mogul at this point. Uh, he's been crushing it, leading the way in podcast space and his company, Tetherball Media. Under Tetherball, they have Drinking Bros, Ross Patterson Revolution, American Party. And I was thinking, like, you, you guys are pretty much carried these days by Drinking Broettes, aren't you? And Joel, Drinking Broettes is on there. Drinking Bros Sports is on there. Oh, that launches uh, that launches on its own feed on December first. Awesome. Um, that's the, look, I, sports, sports, and in particular, sports gambling um, is is the future of a lot of this stuff. Oh wow! Uh, to be honest with you, yeah, uh, especially with COVID um vegas is shutting down it was it's interesting five minutes before we hopped on on your show um i was just completing a drinking bros with a, a very talented director named amanda millius uh you obviously probably know her father john millius oh yeah sure uh, yeah yeah who wrote uh, apocalypse now and uh magnum force and dirty harry and all those things um she was in vegas and i was like what's it like out there and she's like dude it is fucking dead like absolutely dead, nobody's out here or whatever, but gambling uh, is at an all-time high, mm. um, including this last election. The, the last election was the most bet on event in the history of our country, bigger than any Super Bowl, anything whatsoever. And uh, um, uh, we, you know, we had a, look, there was odds on it. Um, there was they all shifted. kinds of action being taken. Yeah, yeah. Dates uh, and, and different Every single state, yeah. So for the prop bets was every single state, which I bet, obviously. Yeah. Um, we bet every single state, uh, and then we did the election itself, and then the odds were changing throughout the night, so you could get live odds. So as the results were coming in, the odds were, were constantly changing, and um, you know, Vegas, for better or worse, is a, is a great precursor to, to what you think is going to happen uh, in the world, and in particular sports, but at this this particular night during the election, um, it was politics. Yeah. And the action in Vegas, because um, we did a live election show in downtown Austin and it was sold out. It was like three or 400 people. Alex Jones was on. Uh, we were splitting guests with uh, Joe Rogan that night, uh, who's out of Austin as well. And um, uh, I was looking at my phone and one of our uh, producers here is, uh, is, is heavy into like sports gambling. So he was reading, feeding me the live odds um, on air and it was amazing to see because it it started off at Trump minus one forty five, right? So he was the underdog going into that night. Yeah. Donald Trump was. Um, I was I was surprised by it. So we we threw a bunch of money on Trump. Now as the night went along, probably around ten ten thirty at night that night, um, the odds shifted, so, so the live odds were up. Trump was at plus five hundred. So he's favored so, at that point. Favored so heavily that you wouldn't even bet on him. Right, um, right around ten, ten thirty, uh, and that went on until the night, until um, Biden ended up calling it at uh, twelve fifteen, um, and then the odds kind of shut off at that point. But you know, when Biden went out, I thought he was making a concession speech. Uh, to be honest with you, really, all, all, yes, all the states that were up. If you, I don't know how late you stayed up that night. I stayed um, up till about midnight, one o'clock west West Coast time. Oh, okay, good. So, so you saw the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so, because because I was live on air and I was looking at all the numbers, like Georgia, he was up by eight. Pennsylvania was up by twelve. Like, uh, you know, at one point he was up by like uh, fourteen, and uh, uh, Wisconsin and and some other places. And I thought for sure um, that he was making. Uh, a concession speech and that was over because it, Trump seems so far ahead in this. And then the last, I don't remember the last thing I said on air was, uh, or 
he's going in to say, I'm going to bed and then we'll wait for the rest of the votes to come in and then we'll right. see you in two weeks, right? Um, but the way that the numbers stacked up in all of these states, I was, he was so far ahead that uh, um, I, I thought it was a landslide and we had said it on air numerous yeah. times and yeah. every guest that came on over and over again said the same thing. I was not expecting this landslide for Trump. I was not expecting a landslide for Trump. And then as they were following the motorcade of Biden, uh, very OJ Simpson-ish in, into, you know, with the helicopters <laughs> yeah. into the thing. And it was yeah. like, it, you know, it was, it was high drama, obviously, because right. um, people didn't know what was going to happen, whether it was a concession speech or, or hey, go home, everybody. Um, that's when it dawned on me. I was like, you know, if it was a concession speech, he probably would just, would have just gone down to the lobby or, or just went on Zoom or wherever he was. Yeah. Because uh, I, I still don't know where Biden was throughout this election. And I was like, oh, shit, I think he's going to say, let's wait for the rest of these votes. Now, I think here's where Trump got out trumped on this one. Looking back on it, in hindsight is 2020 in this, Trump should have ran down to the, the lobby uh, of that room that he eventually gave a speech at at like 2.45 yeah. in the morning. No one was up for, nobody saw. Right. He should have ran down there during that motorcade and said, I'm up in all of these states, I'm declaring the election, and I won. And oh, then man. I think that would have shifted it for, well, because then the fight would have been, but the, the, uh, for the, Biden the votes like, were still coming in. They, they were still counting the votes at that point. Correct. But uh, so many states had been called, um, in particular, really early. So, like, I remember California Arizona, was called, they called way too early. Way too early. California, which, look, we all know California was blue. Yeah. We know Washington is blue. We know Oregon is blue. Right. Th those were easy. But when they called those on CNN, they were about 12 to 14 percent votes in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right. And, and then it was like, you're... The, the delegate counts on all three of those states shifted that number at the bottom of the screen so massively that it became closer, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I think it played into their hands, the Biden camp of like, all right, let's tell everybody to go to bed and we'll count the votes and then, and then get back at this in a couple more days. I think if Trump was going to change the narrative, he should have ran down to the lobby with Pence made the victory speech and then put them on their heels to say, no, 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 let's go and count the rest of the votes. And I, th I think that was a colossal mistake on his part, looking back at it now, um, because he he would have known if it was a concession speech. You think he thought he didn't need to yes. do that because he and had it in the bag? Correct. And I think that was his biggest mistake, um, because as we were talking about it live on air and then eventually when we got off air, um, if if Biden was going to make a concession speech that night, he would have called Trump before right. he did the speech because that's the that's what you do. Um, and clearly, Trump know he Trump knew he didn't get that call. Um, so, to me personally, not knowing you know or just seeing that motorcade go down there and be like, all right, the phone didn't ring. He's not conceding. I'm going to go down and just call this because I'm ahead in all these other swing states, and that's it. Um, because then as the night went on later and later and later, you know, th they started tallying up the ballots and everything. And they started, it started getting closer and closer and closer to Biden. By the time I woke up in the morning, all of the odds in Vegas had changed, changed back to, to Biden. Where Biden. Correct. Yeah. Um, that next morning. And I was like, huh, um, I wonder how this is going to shake out. And at this point, I, I still didn't really know, to be honest with you, because um, I know you and I had chatted and you sent an email because I'd put up a map. I did a yeah. show with uh, Alex Jones. We predicted every state. Yep. If you go back and look at that map, total votes, I was only off about 60,000 and that map is 100 percent correct. That's how close this election was. So I was going to ask you about that because I.
here's the thing. If we actually, if you and I took action on that, we, we never, uh-huh. I picked more states than you did because there was only about seven or eight states that we disagreed on. And uh, Florida, you were right. There was one other where you were right. And there was five or six. North that ended Carolina. Up being right. But we never would have bet that way. Yeah. If we would have bet the way that we would have bet on the spreads, you would have won all of them. Because, you know, Michigan, yes. Wisconsin yes. was about five. They were each about five or six points off of where I was. I, I would have put Michigan and Wisconsin at somewhere between four to eight for Biden. They're both like one and a half or two. Pennsylvania, I might oh, put yeah, in the yeah. two to four range. You know, so we, we probably I mean, would have bet that way. You would have been right on all of them. Yeah. And, and when you again, when you get down to the votes like a Georgia, you know, yeah. they're saying it's at nine thousand now after the recount or eight thousand or whatever. It's like, man, I, I went to a, uh, I ran for president in high school. It was thirty two hundred students. Right. Like that's a you're you're almost down to a high school election at that point. <laughs> and I'm from yeah. Georgia, for Christ's sake. I was going to ask so, you about that state. I was going to add because yeah, that's, that's yeah, where you're so from, right? Georgia, it, it is. Um, it, it, that's where I'm from. And and I did not expect that whatsoever um, because thing the is, Stace, well, the Stacey. Go ahead. Sorry. No, the, the Stacey Abrams thing when she yeah. ran, right? They made such a huge deal out of that. It wasn't really that close uh, when you went back and looked at the numbers and she was asking for a recount and all that stuff and everything else too. But um, it still came out to like a few hundred thousand, right? This, the Trump vote was, is it nine, 9,000 votes in the state of Georgia. Right. Uh, And yes, every vote does matter. Uh, And it happened in 2020 and it happened in 2016 where every vote really does matter. And you really do have to go out and vote. Um, Now I've, I have some different thoughts on the process of it. Um, and manipulation of the media to get those votes. But, uh, uh, you know, to me, uh, and we, we just, we, again, we just had another guest on who's working on the Nevada recount right now. Um, to me, I need to see some more proof before I start believing in any of that type of shit right now. Um, and, you know, I, I've, like, I'm fine with them calling the election for Biden right now. Yeah. Because I, I, I personally haven't seen it yet. If they come out with some evidence that, hey, man, this should be overturned, fine. I'm all in. But right now, I'm not willing to entertain that. It's funny. You're you're already – I had questions prepared, and you're hitting all of these questions. So let me just rewind a little bit. On Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, Georgia is an interesting state because I was the most right about that state. I, I don't know if I wrote this to you or if in my pre-election eve article, what I said was – if I was a betting man, I wouldn't be taking on uh, bets on Georgia because Georgia's too close to call. So on the numbers, that was one of the ones that I actually got right on the spread. But what I got the most wrong was I thought that if Bi- if Biden were to win Georgia, he'd have to win Georgia by a point and a half to two points at least because I have this um, and it shows my own hypocrisy. I was I've bought into the Stacey Abrams thing from a couple of years ago. And I thought that uh, Kemp and the Secretary of State were going to try to pull shenanigans if it was even close. Turns out Secretary of State is like totally at great peril to himself. He's totally transparent. He's running with total integrity, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the hand recount and all that. So I was both most right, most wrong about that state. I'm curious what you think it looks like going forward, you know, being from that state, you have a pretty good read on it. What does it look like going forward for January 5th? So for, for me personally, like, cause I tried to, you know, we, we did uh, 58 hours worth of shows during election week. And then the, the week after was like 64 hours, like, uh, and then, you know, I needed a break from it from a couple of days, which I took, right. I yeah. slept for 
two days straight. Uh, and then I tried to regroup and look at the numbers and see where I was incorrect and try to figure out what was going on with our nation. Yeah. Um, because there was, there was two things that, were, that I found that were super surprising about this election. One was the Latino vote. Um, in states like Florida, and we had uh, uh, Congressman Matt Gates on from Florida uh, on our show maybe three or four weeks before the election. And he said, Florida is a lock for Trump. I am telling you, there is a shift in Latino voters and uh, they do not want to be democratic. Um, you know, they came from, a lot of them came from socialist countries. Cause you know, you hear on the news, Latino voter, you, you automatically expect Mexican, right? Uh, but it turns out a lot of these people are coming from Venezuela and Cuba and things like that, where they were oppressed. They take right. their citizenship very, very seriously. And they don't want to see any form of what AOC is talking about. Uh, oh yeah. Because that, because they came from it, right? Yeah. So therefore they take America very seriously and that vote shifted. Uh, and then you started to see celebrities like uh, Jorge Masvidal, the, the UFC fighter, Street okay. Jesus, yeah. uh, AKA the baddest yeah, motherfucker yeah, yeah. alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he gave a speech and he said, no, this is what we came from. We do not want to see this going forward. And it, that was a surprising shift um, to me was the Latino voter and then how they're going to vote in the future because, you know, obviously we moved to Texas, uh, sending our, you know, our entire operations out of here. And uh, right. they're, the white people are the minority now in, in Texas. So um, that is going to, to change how the, the vote is going to go forward for the state of Texas, clearly Mexico and, and Arizona and all that stuff. But um, uh, the other part I, that I took away from it was the influence of California and New York. Um, if you look at Nevada and Arizona, for example, like I did not think Arizona would be blue. Uh, now it's only blue by what, 5,000 votes or whatever it is. Slim, like, very, very slim. Yeah, yeah very, very slim. Yeah. Uh, when I looked at those numbers, you know, obviously there is a mass exodus from California happening right now. Um, to what we Arizona, see in the media, to Texas, to Tennessee. Well, yeah, what the weird thing is, is like what we see in the media, because the media is all New York and L.A., they're they're showing you all the cool kids spots of, <laughs> hey, man, everybody's moving to Austin, Texas or moving to Nashville, Tennessee. You forget that it's like, hey, man, you still need a lot of money to do that. Chances are they're just moving a state over to get out of that 13 and a half uh, sales tax um, there in yeah. California. So a lot of them moved to Nevada and Arizona. Right. And uh, and most of them, you know, pre predominantly voted Democrat in that. And the thing that was shocking, I guess, to me about it, and this is this goes back to Georgia as well, because Georgia became such a massive production state that a lot of people migrated to Georgia because they could get more work there um, due to covid and everything else. Like you're filming in Georgia still. That yeah. didn't end. I mean, that kept right. going there. That state didn't really shut down. Kemp is the governor there. And he was like, "Nah, we're, we're keeping it open and everybody's, you know, business as usual. I know Tyler Perry and all those Tyler guys. Tyler Perry's got a whole uh, studio. And they yeah. were shooting the entire time. Yep. Um, what surprised me is the things that you didn't like about California that caused you to move to another state. You took your politics with you. And yeah. that was what, what surprised me because when I moved to Texas and, you know, obviously you see it in the media and everything else. Uh, they were like, oh, man, all these California people are moving here. I would see shirts from people that said, don't California our Texas. And that's a big <laughs> shirt that a lot of people have here. Um, because they're serious about the politics and they don't want it to change. However, when I got here, man, full disclosure, uh, Austin is super fucking liberal, man. Yeah. The, no, I was just the, there a couple of weeks ago. You know, the entire but the entire city council is liberal. The the mayor wants to defund the police and all that stuff. And I was like, you're starting to see homeless underneath the bridges here, the same way you are in Los Angeles. 
And that's how it started. You know, I lived in LA for 18 years. And when I was yeah. there, it was like, shit, you see it little by little and then it grows and grows and grows. And then it's out of control and there's nothing you can do. And uh, you're seeing it here. I just, I, I hope it doesn't overtake this city the way it did Los Angeles. But I'm, I'm just shocked that if you're going to move from your states because you weren't happy with what was going on there, why would you think the same policies would work in these other states? And why would you vote for it? Which, which was odd to me. Um, Do you think the country is as divided as MSNBC and Fox make it out to be for their various factions? No. And, and, and I have the advantage of pre-COVID, we used to travel for the sports show every two to three weeks to the biggest sporting event in America. Now, those events would be in Alabama to see Alabama football or uh, UFC Eagle, fights dude, in New York or <laughs> it, it, exactly uh, Auburn. Uh, but you name it, I was there. LSU. So I, I've been to Louisiana. I've been to Texas. I've been. I think I've been to every state except for like six. Right at this point, for some game uh, or another, and we do live shows at fans tailgates so it's it's real people there's no tickets sold we do it for free we show up they're on the show and we get to talk to them we get to chat about their concerns um white and black everything in the middle and uh the two topics that never really come up um are politics and racism um most if you talk to most black people in a one-on-one -on -one conversation they don't believe it's as bad as the media makes it out to be same with politics they don't believe it's the media, like the media is driving these narratives. And it's, I, I think me personally, the media is, is the biggest enemy of the state and they are dividing our country. I think, I think most people aren't as divided as you think they are. And if you sat down and talked to them, um, you're not, it's not going to be a screaming match. Like you think it is when you're watching CNN or Fox news, like it, it, it's just not like that. It's because people are people. They're more complex than the the proxies that that uh, those those out those particular outlets want to make us all out to be, we you know if I happen to vote for a Democrat once, it doesn't mean that I'm a you know a proxy for AOC. If you happen to vote for a Republican or even Trump, it doesn't mean that you're like some racist you know uh, flag waving you know spit in my face kind of a dude. Like people are right. people. Like and when we get to know each other on a this is what this project is all about. This is what talking politics and religion without killing each other is all about. It's like. No, man, I want to know who you are on a human level and not just like one thing about you so I can make all the jump up to all these conclusions so that I can, you know, rage at you on Facebook that I think that's where the bigger problem. I have a little bit of a different view on the media than you do, but I think I think we probably agree that my view is more that it ain't all about the big media outlets. There's a democratization. I kind of learned this from you, actually. There's a democratization happening in media where, you know, if, I, if I'm in my car, I don't have to listen to the local radio station. In fact, I, I very rarely do, if ever. I'm putting on Ross Patterson from Revolution. I'm putting on Marin. I'm putting on Rogan. I'm putting on the New York sports uh, station because I, I like catching up with my New York, New York sports. So I think that um, I think that there's like I said, there's a democratization in, in the media and we don't have to necessarily be controlled or our thoughts be shaped by the narrative that one particular company is pushing. Yeah. I, so podcasts is the one that, that is kind of changing the game, so to speak in news, right? It's because uh, for me, podcasts is listening to people who think like me uh, or, uh, 
or similar or co comedians um, because I, I'm not seeing it in movies. Uh, I'm not seeing it in television. I'm not seeing anything edgy anymore. I'm not seeing anything that is non-PC anymore. And uh, uh, therefore, I go to podcasts. And I think that's why the medium has become so popular. However, the media itself, um, and I went through, I've gone through this for the last six months, and it started right, in, uh, right around June. Um, you know, I'm, I, I voted for Trump, and uh, you know, clearly if you listen to my show, it is, and, and I always say the same thing, I don't care who you voted for. Um, that's the beauty of a democracy, and I'm certainly not going to tell anyone how to vote because I don't have the same day-to-day -day problems as everybody else in the world. Therefore, me making my opinion like The Rock or Alyssa Milano or somebody like that, is so goddamn condescending that it's like you think you're so much better that you are all knowing that you're going to tell people who to vote for and it's like man you do not have the same problems as the rest of everybody else in america nor do i that therefore i can tell you who i'm going to vote for but i'm not going to tell you who to vote for uh but that being said six months prior to the election leading up to it everything got blocked man like um what do you mean Every uh, social media post um, oh. ended up getting blocked. Movies ended up getting blocked. Uh, podcasts ended up getting blocked. We have a shadow ban on YouTube, on Instagram. I, we haven't gained one subscriber, one, I'll put it this way. We haven't gained one subscriber in a month on YouTube. And we have 10.3 million listeners on one, again, 3.8 on the other, and then all the rest of them. And they're all on one channel. Um, you know what's funny they, is I, I was able to listen to the live show two days ago. Uh, when the post Malone mm -hmm. shit came out, I tried to do it on my laptop here and I, it, it like, didn't allow me to go through. Correct. It, I didn't get yeah, it. Yes. Yep. I, uh, like for, so that, that, I, that, that never happened to me before. That is what's happening. And people don't know it. Um, uh, at, like a normal person at home doesn't understand it, doesn't know it. Um, I've been stuck at the same Instagram number for shit uh, about a year now like nothing is growing on that end audio wise they can't stop so yeah. it just keeps going and going and going but it's you know piracy has also been a, a great plus where everybody can rip your rss feed and put it up everywhere so like podcasts are free you know i'm not behind a paywall so that keeps going audio wise video is what we're trying to crack into but like uh, i'll put it to you this way um we did uh, a month ago, Kid Rock. It was his first interview in four yeah. years. And okay. he, he did it on our show. Uh, big, big time show. Uh, he came on, talked about Trump and voting right off the bat. Uh, that has, I think, 23,000 views on Face or on uh, YouTube. And it's like, dude, John Daly was on that episode. The guy who killed Osama bin Laden was on that episode, Rob O'Neill. Um, I, I mean, you couldn't get any more people on one podcast, it has 23,000 views. Um, you know, it's not going to stop me from the guests that I have on. Like, you know, we, we had Alex Jones on uh, election show night. Yeah. Um, that episode got 265,000 live views, right? Um, because it was live and they couldn't really stop it. The second that we went off air, they stopped the video and it has not grown one view. It is buried uh, in an algorithm somewhere and you can't find that video. Um, so that is going on over and over and over again. Uh, and then what we started experimenting with, because, you know, the channel wasn't growing, was we were like, all right, well, let's just tell our listeners what the, the, the list of keywords are. Um, and there's about 20 keywords that you can't write on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube that doesn't get flagged. Uh, Biden and Trump is one of them. Hunter is one of them, just the word Hunter for Hunter Biden. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, crack, the, the word crack, because it was associated with Hunter Biden, uh, couldn't be used. Uh, vote recounts, ballots, um, 
Okay. And there was, uh, there was like uh, nine more that uh, we went through the laundry list of them. Uh, or a warning pops up on your video yeah. or post yeah. that says the U.S. election has been called by the Associated Press for Joe Biden. I, I posted a, a thing in Drinking Bros Sports the other day, or, or no, a listener did, of uh, vote on your top five favorite quarterbacks in the NFL and who should win the MVP. <laughs> and it got blocked or whatever? Yes, because the word vote was vote. in there and it said <laughs> the Associated Press is called the thing for Joe Biden. And it was like, it, it's gotten so bad uh they even took down my post on uh facebook when uh the, i voted the day before the election uh, or the day of the election that, that just said hey um i'm going out to vote for um you know whatever actor celebrity and athlete just told me to vote for because i'm so fucking dumb that i can't make up my mind and i don't know <laughs> what voting is that i needed them to tell me and thank you for looking down on me uh with all of this condescension because uh, now i know who to vote for and i'm, I'm just going to to simply go out and vote for who you, you told me to vote for. That was it. I, there wasn't anything else that was negative about it. Nothing. And it got pulled from Facebook and it said, um, it said, we've pulled this for community guidelines. Uh, and then you have a, a chance to um, kind of re rebut it. Right. Yeah. So I clicked the thing and I said, I would like this for review. And they go, sorry, due to COVID, we don't have the amount of reviewers we typically do. The post is going to be deleted and we hope to have this was fixed very soon. And I was like, motherfucker, man. Um, and it had at that point, 1200 shares and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe like 45 minutes and they had just ripped it uh, gone. Uh, so, you, you know, what's funny is I, I've listened to you. We've known each other now for a little while and I've listened to a lot of your shows, obviously. And, it, you know, aside from like all the fun and the rhetoric and stuff, you're you you're not like crazy wacko wing nut, whatever. Um, you, you definitely lean conservative and that's fine. But I, it, I get the impression that a lot of your views are more in reaction to what you see as an imposition from wackos from the left. In other words, like the, the like when I hear Dan talking, um, there's just some incomprehensible positions that are being screamed from the left. And those views are almost like by, um, by imposition, they're, they're being forced upon even more moderate left of center Democrats, um, or, or some of these policies that are being implemented by Facebook and Twitter, that it just doesn't add up to what a free democracy should look like. So a lot of your positions have been formed sort of in reaction to that. Does that, do, uh, Am I making sense? Yeah, that absolutely. And, you know, the interesting part about Dan and I on Drinking Bros is, you know, I, I lean typically conservative, right? Depending upon who the candidate is. Uh, there's some elections I won't vote just because I don't like either of them, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Uh, and I have, I haven't voted over the years for a couple of them where I was just like, eh. Uh, and, but my co-host is uh, completely down the middle. He doesn't like either. Uh, doesn't like Trump, doesn't like Biden, and uh, looks- Dan's you know, not prejudiced, he hates everybody. <laughs> hates everybody equally, and it's great. Um, and, I, and I think that makes for a better show, to be honest with you, um, because there's there's always some push and pull um, with, with the guests and, and other people. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. A lot of those views will come from left who are looking just to argue about things. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like, uh, and I don't carry the way, like views are views and uh, money is money at the end yeah. of the day. Uh, and I'm not gonna, that, that's the other part of a democracy. I'm not gonna stop anybody for saying, well, don't criticize whatever I'm saying. Like, dude, if you don't like what I'm saying, go ahead and fire away. I, I really don't give a shit, but uh, you're right. A, a lot of the new 
viewers on YouTube are those people where it's just like, I've come here to tell you to go fuck yourself in the comment section. <laughs> and, uh, you know, look, it counts for views for us. And so I don't care. Yeah. Uh, and then the fun thing about me is I don't read the comments. So if we're live on YouTube, there's a, a live message board that I can see. Yeah. Um, but there's so many comments, you can only see like every four or five, or five of them, right? right. Uh, but as these videos live forever, I don't ever read the comments after that because I don't want it to affect the shows going forward. In my opinion, though, I think social media platforms have become so massive that they should be deemed public utilities at this point. Because now you're stating your own facts um, uh, in this. And it's like, you know, the biggest issue I had with the, the, the AP thing that is on all the sites of the, the Associated Press is called the election for Joe Biden. They're not the ones who call an election. Like there is an official electoral board that calls an election. I don't know why you're quoting a press source for this. Like they're, they aren't the ones who called the election. So if you want to say somebody else called it, who was in, a, in, in authority to do so, fine. But saying that someone else in the media who you happen to believe or, or trust in, like uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's real. Like that vote has still not been certified yet. Right, uh, right. It, it, it will be. Um, but you going out and putting on all these posts and all these keywords that the, the vote is done and everything else. And, uh, you know, there's some factual errors and all this other stuff that Trump's been getting hit with and everything else. It's like, well, it's still his opinion. Right. And he's still talking about whatever he wants to talk about. Uh, you can argue whether or not the president of the United States should be saying shit like that. But uh, yeah, that's my he, concern is that he has he's still influence. but he's still a person, but he's still a person like right. I, to be fair, though, when everybody says, you know, he's such a, an influence, Cardi B has Cardi B, the fucking rapper Cardi yeah. B has more influence yeah. than President Trump does. Like she's got more followers on Instagram than President Trump does. If you wanted to, and Biden did, Biden went on her Instagram live and so did uh, Bernie Sanders was when he was running. Um, she's got more influence than anybody. So it's like, you know, I, it's tough. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what can be done at this point. And uh, the people who own all of these outlets that are trusted, like, Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. Yeah. Uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, he's trying to buy CNN currently, and he also owns the Washington Post. Well, back in the day, man, the, the Washington Post and the New York Times were well-respected newspapers. And uh, now they're not because they're, they're down for clickbait. Like if you drive, if you go to New York, uh, and I used to live there a couple of times throughout my career. Um, uh, I went to NYU too after Ohio State. But uh, if you go to New York, the huge New York Times building that is yeah, there, the right staple there. of history is is still there however they are down to one floor so when you see that massive building in those 30 floors they're down to one because they're almost out of business um, therefore they need those clicks they need that advertising to continue and the shocking part that no one is talking about is if they don't invent that podcast um i think the new york times is already bankrupt because the daily right now is number right. two in america and it has been for a very long time that is where all the advertising dollars are coming from. It is not print newspaper anymore. So they're uh, not have making to subscribe. They're not making enough money on their digital uh, either, or their their subscriptions. No, because no, the the digital it's a dollar per per subscription, and yeah. I think they have six hundred six hundred thousand subscribers, uh, if I believe. So, all right, great. That's six hundred k a month. But but how do how do you run a media company like that? Yeah. I see what you're saying with the daily. I, I have a different view on that as well. I don't know if they're going to be financially successful going forward or not, but I don't read the entire paper, but there are specific writers that I'll look for, or even in the opinion section, you know, I'm not necessarily, 
I know Dan's not a big Jennifer Rubin fan, but like, I'm not necessarily reading her column, but I'll look for the George Will column just to learn some new vocabulary words. I'll look for the Kathleen Park, uh, not Kathleen Parker, uh, Kathleen, um, maybe it is Parker, but like my fate or David Brooks in, in the New York times, I'll look for certain writers or opinion writers, but I don't have to be like, uh, going to the church of the New York times. You know what I mean? Right, but a lot of people are, and that's the problem. And they, they still take it as gospel. That in the in the Washington Post is gospel, or the LA Times a little bit um, as gospel. And and look, I, I look at it the same way as is is the right, right? Like I, Fox News is, is a shitty to me. Um, really? And yeah, yeah, I, Fox News is shitty, and like um, I think CNN is 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 shitty. They've both ch chose sides many many years ago, and it is clearly about. Uh, money at this point and uh, and your audience, um, but neither are very good. And, and to be honest with you, Fox News has turned on Trump faster than uh, anyone. Uh, well, the opinion, the, the opinion, like, there's opinion people that are insane. still they're they're still on board with Trump. But I think the news there's again, it's like I look for certain news people. Um, I know Chris, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Wallace is not Cizilla? a big favorite. What's oh, that? Chris Wallace, yeah. Yeah, Chris Wallace yeah, is yeah. not a big favorite. I, I was of the saying right Chris, Chris Zilla. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, look, all those, all those guys. Like you know, I think, you know, looking at the Fox News side, you probably have Hannity left and uh, Laura Ingram. Yeah. Um, if you like that style of journalism, I, I personally don't. Um, you know, I've met Hannity. He's a decent dude in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know. There, there is more people that are practical, like like a Ben Shapiro, but he's not on Fox News. That's he's on a podcast, right? Um, and you know, uh, I, I I got to have lunch with Shapiro a year ago, um, and it was very long, like three or four hours. Uh, he catered it. It was at his office with his producers and his writers. It was, it was about eight of us just shooting the shit at French um, Laundry and with masks. No, no, I know, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's where Gavin Newsom is. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was at his office uh, a year ago, pre-COVID, all that stuff. And uh, we were able to, to talk openly and honestly about politics. And uh, I, even if you sat down with him, like his, his views really aren't that far off, to be honest with you. Like he'll call Trump on his bullshit and, and vice yeah. versa. And, you know, I even asked him what his relationship was like with Trump. And he goes, you know, I, it's not really that existent, to be honest with you. Like I, I try to form my own opinions and, and do my show and that's it. Whereas Trump is boys with Hannity in real life. So like, you know, they're calling each other and everything else. Um, but uh, I, I think something else that would surprise you about me probably is, is why I like Trump in the first place. Um, nobody ever asked me that opinion. And uh, it is because I, I, I did not have a lot of trust in government. And when 2016 came around, I wanted to see it all blown up. Um, I, I didn't know if Trump was the guy to do it. I didn't even know if he would win. Um, but as it was going along, and uh, it, that was the year that our podcast started to become big, um, all of the campaigns invited us out. So we had, we met with Gary Johnson, um, Hillary. Uh, we ended up meeting with Bill. Hillary had a, a fuck epilepsy. Um, uh, so it was right when she went down at the 9-11 uh, towers. Okay. Um, during 9-11, uh, uh, we had heard through the, you know, some secret service and things that we knew that she was, she was dealing with some epilepsy. Oh, wow. Um, and she was wearing those, those blue colored sunglasses and that blocks out the lights. And, uh, that was the tip off for me. And, uh, cause I remember Sissy Spacek also wears those same glasses and she is the same thing too. Um, but you know, 
bright sunlight and heat like yeah. that that will bring on those uh seizures and things like that not that that's a bad thing because a lot of people have that right yeah um and that's you know that's not something that is it's not something that, that would have prevented her from being a, a president of the united states right um but uh uh, as it was going along, you know, Trump had us out to the rallies and all that stuff. And we got to sit with family and meet him and everything else. And like, dude, I, I was in small towns, man. And I look back and I saw 45,000 people at these rallies. And I was like, oh, shit. That's when it dawned on me. It, maybe two weeks before, it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's going to win. He's going to win. And the last time, because the last time I had seen that much excitement for a candidate was in 08 in Los Angeles uh, when when Obama was going around. Yeah. Um, and I thought, like... It, Shit, I didn't have a podcast then, but I told all of my friends. I was like, dude, Obama is going to smoke McCain. It's not even going to be close. Um, and to me, I looked at this election like that, where, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, Biden was kind of a snooze like McCain, and I still thought the excitement from Trump was there and everything else. Right. Uh, but what, what I voted for in, in 2016 was, was the chaos and the disruption and the blowing up of proper government and firing people and all that shit and treating it like a business. What surprised me along the way was the things that he said he was going to do on the campaign trail, whether right or wrong, whether you agree with him or not. He actually tried to do most of them. Therefore, I, yes, I was going out to vote for him again in 2020. Because was, it, was it you that I heard say this, that if you just put Trump on mute, you could really look at him as a very effective president? Yes, he won one by a landslide. And the problem is he he like the Twitter, like looking at it, you know, look, as a Trump guy, I, I'm able to look at it objectively and say, all right, if the rhetoric wasn't there, the way that he was speaking at, you know, certain rallies and shit like that, and the Twitter, if he would have yeah. stayed off Twitter as much and maybe left that to someone else, the things that he did for the country um, spoke for themselves. Like he didn't need the rest of the shit, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, the policies and the things that he was enacting and and even dealing with the, uh, um, uh, the economy, like the economy is rolling. Everybody was doing great. I didn't have any friends out of work. I mean, the, the unemployment level was the lowest for everybody, every race of every form. And uh, everything seemed to be going pretty well. Again, still not happy with the Twitter and all the other shit. And then when, when COVID hits um, and he shut down the planes coming in from China uh, and, and everywhere else, I, you know, he was being called a racist and a xenophobe and, and all that stuff by Biden and, and Pelosi and those guys. And she was in, you know, Chinatown eating food and was like Chinese people are great and everything else and it and then it turns out you know he was correct in that um uh I don't know how you could have handled that better and testing, I don't know man. it was uh, testing yeah, and, 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 and here's the other thing too with with COVID in general like and I know Biden says I'm going to do a better job and whatever we've never seen anything like this in the history of our country no I, I don't know Republican Democrat Libertarian I, who could have done anything more than what is currently being done now because we will never have the answers out of china that we actually need to prevent or stop or help our own country so it's like i what's what's a president going to do from any party at, at this point like i think I the just, big the big miss there was the testing back in uh late january a friend of mine who runs the local radio station here is one of the guys that was on uh, Princess Cruises and they were coming back and he was one of the ones that was infected. They had to fly him and sequester him in Oklahoma or something like that. I forget where it was. Uh -huh. And he's still having repercussions from that because the treatments weren't where they are now. But um, I, I mean, back then when Carl and uh, Jerry were coming back and his wife, Jerry, were coming back, we were thinking, well, shouldn't we be testing and contact tracing? You know, obviously 
it's easy to look back now through the rearview mirror, but even then we were saying there should be a lot more testing and ramp this, this shit up. The, the, the problem was, is they didn't have it. Nobody, nobody was prepared for this. And, um, you know, every, uh, cause we, I, I've got a couple friends that work inside the white house. Um, and you know, I asked them, I said, Hey man, is what, what could have been done? And they were like, truthfully, man, over the years for every president, not just Trump or everybody else, you have a budget to spend. Uh, the last thing you're doing is stocking up on supplies for a pandemic. Mm. No one was doing it. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I get it from a production standpoint because it's like, hey, man, you budget for things that you yeah. need. You know? yeah. You're not buying extra wardrobe because it's like, ah, yeah, maybe I'll shoot another movie in two years. That's a period piece. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing where it's like, hey, man, everybody's on you for this budget and, and where the money's going and everything else. And if you're stocking up on useless shit and, yeah. and that's, you know, that was a that's what they say about the military all the time, no matter who's in, in office. Right. Of like, what are we using this on defense for? Um, then you get killed for that. So nobody's nobody stocked up on anything. We didn't have any of that shit from any of the presidencies. And uh, and again, like I look, I try to look at everyone the same. Where looking back on it, because uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty and all this shit. Like I didn't I didn't like Obama uh, as president. I, I also didn't like Bush as president. Um, and then in the Bush like Gore thing, like neither of them were that fucking exciting to vote for where I was just like, eh, all right, cool. Yeah. If I'm looking at, at my formative years in my life where a president means something and it's able to affect my life, uh, probably the two best so far have been Bill Clinton and Donald Trump because financially everything was going well. Everybody was working. We were out of wars and it was like, eh, all right, sweet. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're okay. Yeah. So those, those two presidents, were the only ones in my life where I was just like, all right, I, I felt like everything was going relatively okay. Um, and I don't really have a lot to bitch about. Are there any uh, critiques or concerns that you'd make about Trump that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Look, the, 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 yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, look, the Twitter was, was way too much. Uh, the social media was way too much. His reliance on the media uh, was way too much. Like um, I think, the media relied on him and he never knew that until too late where everything that he would say was a top story for CNN, uh, MSNBC, all those guys every single day, where if he just didn't say anything, they had nothing to talk about. They were fledgling anyways. They probably would have gone out of business. And I know CNN's for sale now. Um, and it's <laughs> not a shocking. Of, a lot of program directors sitting around like, oh shit, what are we going to talk about now? <laughs> yes. And, th and, and that was, and truthfully, that was my biggest shock with the election where it was like, all right, great. Like I remember a week before I was watching CNN cause I try to watch everything across the board because we're, we're talking about it on air. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm on every single day of the week on Ross Patterson revolution and drinking bros. Therefore I don't want to miss anything. And I also don't want to get just one side of the opinions. I want to hear yeah. the left and the right. That's what so I I'll tend try to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to divide it evenly. And there was a point where Anderson Cooper, about two weeks before the election and Don Lemon started asking hard questions. Like he was asking Kamala Harris about packing the court. She okay. would not answer the question. Uh, and then Anderson Cooper was, uh, was, uh, uh, at a rally right when Trump came back from COVID and it was, I think it was in Minnesota or something or Wisconsin. And, and Cooper finally just stopped in the middle of the thing. And he goes, Oh boy, there's a lot of people here. Uh, <laughs> does this feel like 2016 to everybody else? And it was Jeffrey Tubin, ironically, who was on oh, like me Tubin. <laughs> yeah, me too. And uh, uh, he was on that night. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. This is totally different. And blah, 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 blah. And Anderson Cooper was like, 
you know, I'm looking at this crowd and and they just don't give a shit that this guy just had COVID three days ago and everybody's out there without mask on and it's like 40,000 people. And that's where, to me, I thought in my mind at that point, I was like, oh shit, maybe CNN realizes like, dude, if Biden actually gets in, what are they going to talk about for four years? Um, because news-wise, he carried every news organization, right and left, for four years, and it was entertaining every yeah. single day, love or more hate him. What happens now after Biden gets in on election day? What, what I mean, on a, after the inauguration? Right. What do you cover? Except for him dying, what do you cover? Like, what yeah. is the story for the next four years? Yeah, yeah. You know, back in June, that Tulsa rally is where I was like, oh, this the the turn against trump is for real you know because it was right after george floyd was killed um mm -hmm. and then they didn't fill up that stadium in tulsa which i passed through after i was in austin i passed through tulsa met my buddy from the the other uh, the golf show that we do both sides of the ball um and uh but tulsa mid-june and what twelve thousand people showed up well, you yeah. know why, right? That was the one that the, the TikTokers oh, that, yeah, TikTok. hijacked and bought out all the tickets. Yeah. And they showed up and they were like, well, what the fuck is this? Um, and they had no idea. And look, it, it was brilliant by those kids uh, yeah. to, to, to do it. <laughs> um, but, you know, the rest of those rallies were yeah over the course of the summer you started to see people were like Jeez. all yeah, about it, man. I, yeah. And they figured it out. And I think, you know, like there's another story that nobody's really talking about with this Brad uh, Pascali guy. Yeah, what uh, happened there? So he was Trump's uh, campaign manager, right? And he was the guy that essentially won the election in 2016 because let's face it, it all comes down to social media now at this point, like advertising wise. Amazing. Nobody's paying. Nobody's paying for. Well, nobody's watching television anymore, man. I mean, and, and if you look at the ratings, billions of dollars, billions of dollars spent on 30 yes. second spots. Nobody's watching 30 second spots. I don't understand. No. No, we're, we're in uh, California. You know, I have. We're, sorry, we're, we're in California, twenty-five, where uh, they're, they're still counting. Christy Smith, and Mike Garcia, and um, I, Mike Garcia was slamming the airwaves. I, I couldn't turn on the television without seeing some thing about how Christy Smith is the worst thing since you know, uh, the, the the worst thing since Hitler, and, and and I didn't see any Christy Smith ads. None. Not on right. digital. Not on TV. But my, you you turn on YouTube, get a Mike uh, Mike Garcia ad. You turn, you know, you go on Facebook, you get a Mike Garcia ad. You turn on the television, Mike Garcia ad. But I'm, I'm amazed that more politicians don't realize that people are, are, are not watching 30 second spots. No, and they're not watching television. And more importantly, like television is now built for live sports. Let's face it, that's it. So if you're going to watch a live event, yeah, it's going to be live sports. Um, all of the cable. Basic cable will be dead in, in five years. Uh, if you look at the ratings for, uh, let's take Comedy Central. Comedy Central after January 1st, they're done with live action programming. So it, it is all animation after to January 1st. That's it. Um, that used to be the go-to for comedians and sketches yeah. and all that stuff. That It is now going to be an animation channel because that's what they can afford to put on television. Um, all of these other channels are starting to merge. The Kardashians are leaving E! to start their own media network, their own app, uh, which people are going to watch. And, um, you know, uh, Paramount is trying to uh buy into this one thing and then everybody's switching to online any of the apps with the peacock which is nbc right uh cbs all access which is their app fx uh sold a lot of their shows to hulu like i right, watched right, right. i watched dave on hulu which is my favorite comedy of the year um my name is dave it's about little dicky right <laughs> okay the highest rated comedy 
FX has ever had, and it it beat it Atlanta. When I looked at those ratings, it was four point eight million per show. Um, four point five million of those were coming from Hulu. Only three hundred thousand were watching on live TV on That's FX. Crazy. And I was like, dude, how, how can FX stay in business with this model? Adult Swim, it was the same thing. I had pitched them uh, a show maybe a year ago. And, and I was like, what's the number you're hoping for here? And they were like, man, if we get 300,000 uh, views, viewers, like you're going to get renewed. Like it's fucking amazing. And I was like, I don't need, that's not even 15 minutes of my podcast. Like that's getting that. Um, I don't know how these guys are going to stay in business. And I don't think they will. I think mm -hmm. it'll eventually switch over to an app model where it, it'll be like your smartphone. But the only thing keeping keeping uh, cable and uh, live television alive now is live sports. Okay. So with Brad Parscali or, or Pasquale, however the fuck you pronounce that guy's name, being uh, the head of digital for Trump in 2016, there was none of these uh you know pop-ups or hey this is not incorrect this is incorrect and you can't do this there was none of the shadow bans or anything else like that right when 2016 happened everybody was shocked that trump won and it was like oh shit i can't believe this 2020 i think social media apps prepared for it and i think why that guy lost his mind down in miami yeah because he got fucked up and like i don't know either hit his wife or something or a girlfriend or a young girlfriend yeah. went out in the streets and was screaming at people like a crazy person. I think they had to put him in like a 5150. I think this is just a personal guess. I have no knowledge of this whatsoever. I think once he realized because he was such a brilliant guy that he could not crack the code of social media anymore because it was all blocked uh, for conservatives and oh. advertising and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. I think he lost his mind and, and started to realize, Oh shit. I don't know if I can do this job anymore. And then he got replaced very shortly after that. Um, but I think he lost his mind because those inroads that, you know, he was making in social media that won them the 2016 election weren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. Facebook and the YouTube and the, you know, Amazon had gotten together and shut those down. Um, that he was like, oh shit, how do we do this? Um, right. Because it's not going to be through 30 second ads on TV. So speaking of live, live sports and live events, I never finished a certain, a very important part of my, um, my intro. One is uh, as, as a New York times bestselling author, I do have to say that you got a new book coming out December 8th yes. called as the sun rises, it dawns on him. You, <laughs> you actually say correct. that I do. <laughs> as the say. sun rises, it dawns on him. St. <laughs> James street, James. Um, uh, yeah. You want us to talk about censorship this. So this is a series of romance novels for dudes. It's completely fiction. It is completely comedy. It is old school airplane meets blazing saddles. Like okay. that's every line in the books is a one liner. The first one was called at night. She cries while he rides his steed. <laughs> Simon and Schuster, <laughs> Simon and Schuster put that out. It exploded. Um, we did the second one, which was uh, when darkness falls, he didn't catch it. <laughs> now in that one, there was uh, uh, the love interest was Harriet Tubman. And there was like a, a H tubs, H tubs, dude. Uh, H tubs down. Um, <laughs> there was a, the opening chapter was a, a sex scene with her. And, uh, and then he talks about his love for her and he ends up like helping her free the slaves and all that other shit. So it's Harriet Tubman and, and this character on the cover and Amazon banned it for three and a half weeks. Um, Why? and, uh, H tubs having sex or something or yeah, she was on the cover and like, um, I guess it was reported or some people had complained and, and everything else. And like, you know, clearly at this point, the podcasts were 
and the, into the millions and everything else. Our listeners got involved. Everybody called in. I called in. Um, and uh, finally, after three and a half weeks, somebody must have read it. All, that was all I was asking. I was like, hey, man, I think you should just read it because you're literally yeah. judging a book by its cover. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Point, and just <laughs> read it. Um, the crazy thing was that controversy helped propel it. Everybody went over to Barnes and Noble and bought it and ended up being number one. And, um, you know, the controversy that Amazon created on its own helped that book to become even bigger than it probably should have been at the time. Yeah. Um, and now the third one is coming out and, uh, and you have to think about ways around it or, or, or ways around the, uh, the censorship. So like with this one, with the hardback, um, because Amazon does not produce hardbacks, uh, they, they do the paperback, they're print on demand and they can go in 24 hours. So for the first time ever, I'm gonna release the paperback as well as the hardback on the same day. So if the hardback gets blocked, the paperback will go because Amazon owns that. They own that, that paperback site now. So they how own you, everything. You know, they, I, own, they own Audible as well, right? I, yeah, I, know, I do know that. How do you decide, there's a fine line between, you know, being, being restricted versus uh, abiding by certain parameters, whether it's decorum or some, you know, a lot of folks call it political correctness. You know, mm -hmm. I, I know you're like, fuck political correctness, but is there a line somewhere and how do you figure out where that is? So I asked this question to Alex Jones, um, love him or hate him. He, he's, I, I, I view him solely as an entertainer, me personally. Yeah. Um, I, I think the shit he said about Sandy Hook and, and some other things were super fucked up. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not on board with those. H however, I see him as solely an entertainer and uh, he got some things wrong. Um, that being said, I, I asked him that question one night and I said, looking back at all of this, do you wish you would have done things differently and said things differently or whatever? And uh, he was honest. Uh, he said, look, man, the Sandy Hook thing, I got bad information uh, mm -hmm. from, from very, very reputable sources. Okay. Um, he, he claimed that I, I think one was in the CIA or something like that. And he goes, um, and I knew these guys for years and he goes, and I believed bad information and I was wrong because I reported it. Right. Um, and he was honest about it. Now he goes, uh, did it deserve to kill my career and everything else? Probably not. But he goes, is this the future of where media is heading? I think it is. So he goes, as shitty as these last couple of years have been, I think all of us will eventually get, if you have any, you know, a strong opinion in something uh, that is not what the government believes in. He goes, I think all of us will be there. And he goes, I, I am the first platform to do it. And, uh, and, and he was right. Um, we did a show two weeks ago or last week, maybe uh, about the rise of parlor and rumble. Um, Parlay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It is becoming the, the conservative Twitter, not on purpose that that guy who owned that company definitely did not want that to happen. Uh, and it did. And he, he was like, please, this is for liberals too. That interview he did, he was like, yeah. everybody. And they were like, fuck you. We've taken it over. Yeah. Uh, not, nothing we can do. Right. So, um, he leaned into it and I, I know Dan Bongino bought part of it. And then, uh, uh, Mercer's daughter, Rebecca Mercer's got a part of it. Uh, so yeah, he I, I heard a theory it. about that, that, um, if, if it's all conservatives, then it, it's gonna, it's gonna eat itself because, you know, one of the one one of the favorite pastimes of a lot of my conservative friends is own the libs. If the libs aren't on there, they can't own them. Uh, on both sides, so I, I said this. I, I agree with the same thing. You're going to live in one echo chamber or the other, right? So if the left is going to be Twitter and the right yeah. is going to be Parlor, you're only going to hear the voices and opinions you want to hear. Therefore, you're not going to get other interesting 
uh, takes on the rest of the world or, or views and all of that stuff. Um, and I, I, I don't know what's right or wrong. I mean, I, I, I grappled with it, but with the rise of parlor and rumble, cause rumble is the new YouTube for whatever. They're not censoring shit. Yeah. Um, he, he, his model is correct and he is right. And there is other things that are rising and other platforms and he's a lot on those platforms more importantly. So like he's starting to grow his audience again. And, uh, you know, at his heights, Alex Jones, he was making fuck. I think he made 40 million in 2016. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah, man. So I, like well, it was I, him and Rogan. I'm um, hopeful. But- I'm hopeful about it because like, because this is what I was saying before about Democritus. I'm sorry. I keep on cutting you off and it's uh it's part of it is the delay. I, there's oh, I don't a care. little bit of a give, delay. I don't give a shit at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what I was saying before about democratization of media is I can, so I am right of center when it comes to financial issues. I'm libertarian. If there was a, I, I joke about if there was a leaf party as in leave me alone, I, I'd belong to it. It's like, just leave me alone. You know, like, so there are a couple independent media outlets. I don't know if you're aware of them. Bulwark is Charlie Sykes, little media outlet. He does a podcast and has a newsletter and a few other uh, personalities on there. Um, the other one I really like, uh, Jonah Goldberg, Sarah Ilger have um, uh, the dispatch. So, but they're not, you know, they're not institutions. They're just a bunch of really smart, entertaining people who know how to articulate their views, who do good homework. Um, that happen to have a set of views that I'm more aligned with. So I can spend a lot more time reading their stuff and listening to their stuff than I spend on, you know, New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, CNN, Fox News. I take all that in because I want to know what people are talking about. You know, I'll listen to Hannity on XM just because I want to at the very least hear his opening uh, monologue so that I'm informed in that in that regard. But um, no, as far as what aligns with mine, it's mostly independent media outlets that I think are going to uh, begin to uh, begin to rise because they're not they're they're not burdened by like these mammoth contracts or you know such such huge infrastructure costs. It's just like hey, if we get uh, fifty thousand downloads, um, we can get a sponsor, and uh, yeah, I can make a living on that. Right, right. I, I so. The interesting part of that statement is I, I agree with you um, because I, I am very receptive to more and more independent media outlets other than what is being jammed in our face every day. Yeah. Uh, the only problem with it is when you are independent, you need social media to promote mm. your brand and get it out to the world. Yeah. And I tell the same thing because, you know, look, I, I own this media company, uh, you know, Dan and I, and we're always you know, kind of buying up new shows and looking for new shows and hosts and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I listen to a lot of, of podcasts and um, or, or watch their videos, whatever it is. The first question is, hey, what's their social media following? Mm-hmm. Um, because as great as like, I think your show is great. Um, the first time I did it, uh, the trailer geeks one. Yeah, yes, yes. The trailer geeks. I thought you were very talented. You and I had dinner after that. And I said, hey, man, you're really good at this. You're only downfall will be how do you promote this because you don't have you know a lot of social media and all that stuff so it's right. like i i consider you a great voice right i consider the writers you just described to be probably great voices how do you get them out into the mainstream without social media and it's like dude if there is people that are writing super interesting opinions on the right or the left right they're still going to need twitter or a, a facebook or something to promote themselves to find them 
Otherwise, you're going back to the 1900s where you're just on a soapbox in the street and right. the street screaming at people as they walk by. Right. And that is the fucked up thing about all of this is like at the end of the day, your only source of promotion really is social media. Because if you're depending on word of mouth, it's going to take 20 years. I heard a, a interesting theory the other day that Zuckerberg wants the government to regulate him. And here's why. If if regulation enters into Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even LinkedIn, then number one, it creates a higher barrier of entry so that these other smaller scale social media, these emerging social media companies can't really compete if they're also having to deal with regulation. And two mm -hmm. is he wants, he wants the decisions to be taken out of his hands. He doesn't want to have to decide, oh, well, this uh, to create an algorithm, this post, it has these keywords and we have to put this message. I don't think he wants to make that, those decisions. So he wants, he wants the government to take, he wants to be regulated. I, I've heard that and I, I, know I would have agreed with you until this election happened, every single post, again, with those keywords, I, just as a exercise, uh, just type it in. Yeah, yeah just, just type in, hey man, <laughs> Uh, who'd you vote for recount or whatever? What do you think of the recount or whatever it is? It will immediately pop up underneath your thing. The United States election has been called by the Associated Press for Joe Biden. For more information, oh you click God. the link and it's like, uh, and then the, the latest one is, is the COVID. Um, so if you post anything about COVID, it will say a CDC yeah. warning comes up and it'll say, go to the CDC thing about how to treat, you know, Thanksgiving and what you should do and all this shit. And it's like, it is instantaneous. And Something is behind it, you know. Uh, it, it, if you want to tell me that Zuckerberg's not a part of that, like, oh, no, man, you're not. I think they got their guy in, and and that's fine. Um, uh, but it's it it's dangerous, and I don't know how you go back because you. I saw Biden, one of Biden's aides, right after uh, they declared victory, um, and did the thing on Saturday. And uh, one of his aides says, "Our first thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to take down social media because it's it's uh, shredding uh, our democracy, as it said. And then the guy from his, his campaign team ended up uh, deleting this tweet that he had sent out. Um, the interesting part about it was, yes, I, I, all of these social media apps do need regulation, but, but whose opinion is it going to come from? Right. Yeah, that, and, I see what you're saying. And yeah. that's what scares the shit out of me, where it's like, dude, some of these facts on both sides, right and left, can't be verified. I don't know how you can possibly fact check them. And then who is the overall ruler? Because there's not a judge at Facebook. There's not a judge at Twitter. Like, um, you know. So your kids are still. Oh, OK. I, I'm going to switch subjects because this is a really important subject to make. One of the credits sure. I didn't mention is that you are a world champion soccer coach. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. I brought, I brought a state title back to Texas for the six and under. <laughs> boys team uh, i'm a champion awesome. and uh i deserve to be praised hashtag yes. blue dragon the blue dragons blue dragons the, hashtag blue dragons that is not destiny going God's to be <laughs> restricted on facebook and then the other credit we didn't talk about yet is that you are the creator and producer of the new hit show post malone celebrity world beer punk ah nailed it nailed what? it wait yeah. what happened yeah yeah you want to say what happened you... this it's almost as if we worked on that together for almost. months and months and then um, I pitched Post Malone and said, hey, man. Fucking wrote uh, the whole show. 
and not only that, but like I have, you know, the texts from his team and all that stuff. Cause I don't, I don't know if you remember, but, um, he said, Hey man, I'm, I'm in, I'm down. Uh, but you gotta come to my house and shoot it. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, all right, cool. And then Halsey was involved, uh, as well. And she was friends with Post Malone. She was like, Hey, we'll shoot her house. So we worked on flights and all the other stuff. And like, I mean, it, it got down so far as to like how many people were in the production crew that I was bringing to his house. Yeah. Um, you'd be inside the house um covid blah 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 blah, blah. and and, uh, and he just shot the nirvana tribute uh on youtube for charity in his basement so it was like great i, I knew that production had shot there and, and it was recent and uh you know we had chatted about it with his whole team and everything else um needless to say i was shocked uh because we we're going to shoot that on july july 19th at his house yeah 18th yeah. 19th uh, well, 20th his yeah, episode was... correct right. the, the episode at his house is going to be july 20th um, he changed his number, uh, things uh, just ghosted uh, my, us like two weeks prior, uh, everything, everything stopped. And then I started, I saw something in TMZ, uh, about, about nine days later that his lawyers had fire, filed a bunch of patents for this, uh, beer pong league. And, um, and I was like, nah, that's weird. Uh, but I didn't think anything of it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, maybe two nights ago, my phone is melting down. I was up late working uh, and I had a game on in the background for Drinking Bro Sports. And uh, I don't really try to check my phone at home just simply because I got kids, young yeah. kids. And I don't, I don't want, you know, I work a lot. I don't want to think that dad's on the phone all goddamn day. So yeah. uh, after like the 12th text message, I, I checked it and it was the same thing. It was the trailer for the Post Malone thing. And they were like, hey, man, some of them were like, congratulations. That's your show. It's amazing. Right. And I was like, huh? And then right. one of my my best friends was like, "Hey man, this is your show. Uh, did you sell it?" And I was like, "I hit the trailer, watched the trailer, and I was like, oh fuck." It and is I'd literally your show, word for word, beat for beat, everything. The only thing that was different because they give it, you know, the championship belt at the end and all that stuff was uh, ours was giving away ten thousand dollars for charity at the end, um, and theirs was. Uh, uh, some prank or something they're doing at right. the end for whoever loses or whatever it is. Right. And, uh, and I was like, what the fuck? So we reached out, you know, through all the proper channels. And, uh, even one of his buddies told me, he was just like, Hey man, they ripped it. Like that's, yeah. that's it. And, uh, you know, I, I will say this, um, cause I, 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 I am angry about it. Like I've been angry about it for a couple of days, not as mad as I used to get about this shit. This has happened to me so many times in LA that, um, when, you know, I, I've been pretty successful for the last uh, whatever years at this point, right? Uh, I used to have to depend on Hollywood for everything, right? Therefore, yeah. I was afraid of saying anything, suing anybody, doing anything. And because uh, uh, the first time it happened to me was back in, I think, 2007 um, with uh, Mall Cops. Um, I had pitched that and shot a trailer for it for uh, Adam Sandler. And then okay. they, they had ripped it and uh, we were going to sue and go all in and all this other shit. Um, and uh, my agents and managers had a meeting with me with the lawyers and they said, look, are you prepared that this is going to, is this enough money for you that this is going to last you for the rest of your career? And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, you'll probably get blacklisted in comedy. And at the time, like it was Sandler, his production company, Will Ferrell's, uh, Judd Apatow's, and that was kind of it, maybe Todd Phillips. Um, and you know, I was a comedian making comedic films yeah. and, uh, they were like, dude, they're all best friends. They were all on SNL together and they all did the fucking thing. And this is going to get around and that's it. Once you do this, there's no going back. Um, and, uh, and at the, the nth hour I pulled it and I said, no, let's not do it. Right. 
Um, and then it happened to me like, uh, fuck man, maybe five or six more times. Uh, the last one was Will Ferrell in 2013. He stole a show from me at, uh, at IFC and IFC was in on it. And, um, uh, now that one I had filed a, we'd filed this, the, the suit and, uh, lawyers had called in and said, Hey man, this is a show and it was shot. So theirs was shot. Mine was shot. And mine was beforehand, like two years before and everything. And then the script was there and everything else. So we had everything on it. And IFC was like, we don't have a lot of money. We can't afford this lawsuit. It'll nuke their show. And I said, I don't give a fuck about their show. Right. And they were like, well, maybe we can work out something where you get like a co-creator credit or something like that. And I was like, I, truthfully, I don't like the show. I don't want to be on it as a co-creator. Like I liked mine. So yeah. that's not going to fucking do it. And, uh, and I was like, just pay me the salary I would have gotten for the 12 episodes or whatever, and uh, I'll move on about my goddamn day, right? Yeah. And they were like, again, we don't really have that much money. Um, what would you think if we fired all the executives? Like, what, is, <laughs> what does this lawsuit mean to you if, if, we, if we shelve all the executives here, the three executives? And, um, and I go, because I had said originally it wasn't about the money, right? right. And, uh, and I said, look, I, I will stick to my word. Absolutely. It wasn't about the money. So if you're telling oh. me this is, was the executives who did this, okay. um, I will not, I'll, I, I won't file this. Um, and, and if you fire them, we're good to go and you'll never hear from me again. They wiped out all three executives. They were out, wow. of, out of work and um, uh, they were forced to open up a small production company exactly like me. And they were forced to go into all these fucking meetings with all these other <laughs> things and pitch the same shows that I, wow. we were on the same footing. And uh, I didn't, I didn't file. I didn't sue. Uh, and I never talked about it. Um, I never talked about the Will Ferrell thing. I never talked about the Adam Sandler thing. I certainly wouldn't have talked about the Post Malone thing. Uh, but I'm in a different position now where it's like, hey, man, I, you, you have 10 I have, million on one show and 4 million on another show. And you're going to fucking talk. There about is it. nothing you can do at this yeah. point. And I don't need Hollywood for anything at this point. Um, I fired my agents and managers a long time ago. And uh, uh, even on these books, man, like the power of podcast became so big that it was like, unless the advance is seven figures, I can promote these on my own show and make more money than you would have gotten from me from a publisher. Mm. You're certainly not going to promote the goddamn thing for me. And, um, and then you're going to censor it as well. So like, dude, that Harriet Tubman thing that got cut from the first book, that entire chapter oh. it was the last chapter of the first book. And they called me the night before it went to, to print. And they said, look, you pull this chapter. We're pulling this book. And so I pulled the chapter. Now on the second one, I wasn't as nice because I, I, I had the rights to buy it back and do it. Now with the beauty of Amazon buying Audible and all that shit, like I didn't need them. Mm. And the, the second book made more than the first book. And yeah. then I was like, all right, great. So with the third, I fired my eight manager and I was like, fuck off. I don't need you taking any money. And now every agent and manager in town is trying to take 10% of podcasts. So any comedian that comes in, man, that is in your contract. If you do a podcast, we're taking 10% of that revenue. Oh man. Yeah. I like the independence. I really, I thought when I, when I was, it. when I was auditioning and stuff uh, back in the uh, 19, 20 years old audition, it was such a barbaric process. And it's like, yeah, I, I, so I, that's when I started producing independent theater, little small 99 seat equity waivers. Cause I could just, I could pick the play. I could pick the space. I could, you know, it was, yeah. I had that, I had that taste for it even back then. Um, you, you've had a knack of seeing through of being able to, see through trends and understand what news stories were really resonating with, oh gosh, I hate to say real America, but like just your, your neighbor, you know? 
yeah, yeah more yeah. so than than major media companies, major studios. You've had a knack for that for years. What do you think are some of the topics and stories that the rest of America cares about outside of Sony and Warner Brothers and CNN and and you know like the major networks and studios? What are the stories that 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 everybody so else cares about? Working just simply being able to take care of your families and then uh, having all these businesses shut down right now because of COVID. Um, whatever your thoughts are on COVID, uh, you work your entire life for your business, your restaurants or your gym or whatever it is. Uh, that is not, not only your dream, but it is the means to take care of your family. If they shut down the country, which they are in a lot of cities already and not giving people the option to have their businesses open, in particular, bars and restaurants and gyms. You know, uh, look, New York is on a ten o'clock curfew. L.A. is now on one. Uh, all these places, you're destroying not only these dreams but generational wealth. Um, all of my favorite places are closing, and uh, that is the topic that is, uh, to me, like when, when we were going back to the beginning of the show about picking these states, right? Yeah, uh, coming from North Carolina, you would pick North Carolina that it was going to go for Biden, and I said Trump. The reason why I That's said right. Trump was because I lived there and I lived there for five years and I just, you know, I just moved to Austin, but everybody there, like they're still in phase three. They never left it. Like I didn't, I didn't go to a gym for five, six months there uh, and they were closed. Like it, it just, it never opened. Right. All of my local joints and I, I lived in a small town, Wilmington, North Carolina, it was 150,000 people. All of my local joints, like um, we had to go and support them to keep them open or else they're closed and they're out of business. And so I saw people losing their businesses left and right. Uh, my sister's a waitress in Ohio at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, which is a chain. You and I went to one. Yeah, he does. Um, That's where we went. Isn't that where we went? Yeah, in, in Wilmington. Yeah, so yeah. she works at one in Columbus, Ohio. And it's like, dude, that's it. They're, you can't open past 10 anymore. Um, these are the problems that people really care about. Um that are going on right now. And, yeah. you know, I, I'd say the other thing, like the, the biggest thing in particular, and like you can go back to every election for this, uh, is the financial aspect too of like how you're doing, uh, you know, where the market's at, where their 401ks are at, uh, how they're gonna pay for college. Like it is not what you see in the media. I don't really think people care about who's the president all that much, you know, except yeah. for taxes, obviously, but, um, you know, m most issues like, yeah, everybody's got their own personal thing, but it's like, all right, I can suck it up and deal with it, whoever it is. Right. Um, but uh, I think whether or not you're going to have a job and what the future looks like for those jobs is is the thing that scares people the most. I mean, you look at places like Chipotle that are opening up restaurants where it is entirely ordered by phone. You go and it's just sitting on a shelf yeah. waiting for you to pick up. Yeah. Because people are going to be out of business. You go to the grocery store to self checkout. They're teaching you how to check out and they're just teaching you out of their own jobs where I look right. at these people and I'm like, dude, you showing me how to scan my own food and get out of here means that you're not going to be here in, in six months or a year. Like uh, things like that, that that's, uh, you know, are being kind of overlooked where it's like, oh, oh, shit, we're all just kind of doing this on our own and we're doing everything from our house. Movie theaters are gone. That is it. It is over with. Uh, movie, th there will be no movie theaters anymore. Yeah. They can maybe hang on till Christmas, but looking at the back end of these, um, no, no major studio was putting movies out. So even yeah, if they, they were pushed, open, there's no they, movies going in them. They pushed Avatar, the first of the, I forget how many he's making, three or four, but they, it was originally supposed to open next month. They pushed it to December, 2021. 
uh, that'll be interesting to see yep. because that's a big enough event to to for people to come out for it and maybe start to get used to being together again. But I, it's going to be so long by that point that I don't think it comes back the same way. I, I, I don't either. And I, I think, I think it's dead that that deal that Universal and uh, DreamWorks just signed with uh, Cinemark, where it's a 17 day window, unless the movie makes um, uh, more than 50 million opening weekend, and then it'll extend to 31 days. Now that you know that that movies are only going to be in theaters for 17 days, you'll wait. Yeah, you'll wait. You're not gonna. What's? I'm, I'm not gonna drop sixty dollars to go see Fast and Furious 19. <laughs> um, you know, if it's gonna come on HBO Max, um, uh, I think that that is changing. The other biggest thing that that not a lot of people are talking about is where you live and your level of happiness at where you live. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, and, and a lot of people that I have talked to, um, they are looking for land, space, yeah, uh, neighborhoods that are that are friendly. Um, uh, Different places than they live in the big cities, I think, will become extinct. Like I was, you know, we were out in LA in July and we shot there the entire week and we recorded the audio book when we were out there. And um, I was so dismayed, me personally, that's what Los Angeles has become. Like it is, it is a shithole. Um, <laughs> I mean, tumbleweed, it, dude. There's tumbleweed going through Hollywood Boulevard. It goes, the homeless goes all the way up. So I lived in Beachwood Canyon, right? And, yeah. and at the time, I lived there for years. At the time, it was like me, Jack Black, Johnny Knoxville, a bunch of just cool actors, right? Yeah. I used to see Jack Black just smoking weed on his porch, right? Um, you know, driving home and it was great. The homelessness goes all the way up to that block. I mean, it stops right there, right at Gower. And, wow. And you're, you're that close away from $3 million homes. And then you have the other side of town, which is Venice and those guys. Dude, you have some of those beautiful homes of all time and there's homeless people living out in front of them. And it's like, is this what I want to be a part of? I don't know what you tell your kids at that point. And, um, you know, they definitely didn't have to twist my arm to come to Austin because uh, when I came here and I was like, oh, I can have an acre and a half. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah. if I want to talk to my neighbors, great. If I don't, great. Um, it's beautiful. There's nothing you can do, but, uh, I was warned, you know, fair and square, like, Hey, downtown Austin, like could be LA in a few years, like just drive around real quick and then decide if you want to live in city limits or not. So I bought a, I, I bought a place right outside the city. Pflugerville. Uh, where, where are you at? Uh, Driven Springs. Oh, uh, okay. Springs. Yeah. I heard um, West of the city. There's some good hill country. There's some that's beautiful. It. So I'm, I'm in hill country. That's it. So, okay. Okay. Beautiful out there. Um, Dripping Springs, Wimberley, uh, all those places are great um and you can get some land and you're you know the the highway systems are pretty good so you can yeah you're on a highway in so it's like all right sweet man my commute to work is 30 minutes and uh i, I don't mind it um you know i'm out in the country with a sunset in 30 minutes and it's great that's great uh but that's awesome. you know i also have two small kids um so how young is a little one uh two i got a two-year-old and then a six-year-old so okay. uh if this continues or covid you know pops up again or whatever whatever's going to happen with this like i'm fine out where, where i live i'm starting to build things around my house that make it more uh make me have more more reasons not to leave you know like <laughs> um I, like i'm putting a pool in you know what i'm saying like where it's just like oh shit i don't know if kids can go back to pools anymore you know right. like in north carolina it's hot it's hot as hell here too like yeah i don't know when the the community pool is going to open i don't know when that's going to open so i'm going to try to do that um you know uh, neighbor tonight shit uh 
fuck that is tonight? It's like in an hour. Okay. Um, he has one of those big pop-up screens. Uh, oh, one of those yeah, huge yeah, yeah. blow-up screens for movies. We're watching Perfect. movies at his house. You know, we're able to drive golf carts around and do all that other stuff. Like uh, my, uh, the producer of all of these shows, Giorgio back here, uh, is 30 years old. So he wants to live in the city and bang ass and like, that's rad, you know? Yeah. And I love Austin. I don't want it to change because it is a beautiful city, but like, I hope it doesn't go that way. But what I am finding more and more with, with more and more normal people is, hey man, it is, it is my dream of, of where I wanted to live, like New York or LA, versus how happy my life is and, and the air I'm breathing every day. Um, because I thought for sure I would retire in New York at the end of my life when the kids went off to college and all that stuff. Like I love New York more than the life itself. It, it is awful now. I hope it gets cleaned up. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah. but we'll see. Um, that is no longer my dream. I, I just want fresh air and a beach <laughs> and, uh, or the country where I'm living. Like it has changed. And I think a lot of people's dreams have changed, uh, where they want to live. Uh, and where they see themselves and what is most important to them. Right. And nobody's really talking about that. I did a story on Ross Patterson Revolution, uh, I think two days ago, where uh, one of the apps that is the most used right now is Zillow. Oh, um, Zillow just is checking up out 50 Zillow for, for houses. What houses, is this? Dream houses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In, in Spring Hill, where Tennessee they want to live or, or Austin, outside yes, of Austin. With, with lands. Absolutely. With, with lands. That, we, we were and, doing and it. You're, you're absolutely right. We were doing it because we could take what we put down on this house, just a very northern part in uh, L.A. County, and we could get four times as much land, if not more, six times as much land. We could get a house this mm -hmm. size or even a thousand square feet bigger for just for the money that we use to put down on this house. It's crazy. Yes. So Yes. And, and I think that is going to become a bigger issue over the next two to three years. We, you're you're going to see that more and more where it's like, all right. Am I happy of where I'm living or, you know, what determines my happiness? And yeah. I think that's uh, for normal people of like, you know, everyday Americans, not what the media is, is really, you know, racism or Trump or, you know, whatever it is, right, that they're pushing. I think it is going to come down to uh, more and more people's happiness and where they live, especially now that people are conditioned and being groomed for zoom calls and not going into the office like there's a, a, a google here downtown facebook is here downtown like um uh in in austin and all that stuff and it's like dude google's not their employees don't have to go back to work yeah uh, until july if they yeah. don't want they can work from home all that's saying is hey man commercial real estate do we really need all this and then you're going to start buying your house based out of where you want to work out of right. and where you want to live yeah. it is no longer going to be in an 800 square foot apartment in new york city that you're paying 80 times more from right. like you're going to yeah. start looking for places where it's like dude if i got to work out of the house anyways i might as well be somewhere where i love yeah. with less traffic that is cleaner that is cheaper that has less taxes and i think that is going to be the biggest shift you see that no one is really really talking about it's it's totally true. One of the, the houses that Lisa was pulling up, my wife was pulling up was, oh, look, this has a little guest house in the back. It has a cabana in the back that we could turn into your studio, you yep. know, but uh, you sort of answered my second to last question because I want you to be able to get to your thing. Sure. Where do you see things going from here? What, what else? You, you already provided some of the some some of the direction that we're going, but what else do you see? Uh, look, if you're if you're a Republican right now, um, I think you know, I, the recount thing is a little much for me to buy into. Um, and until so there's some hard evidence, I'm not going to really give that too much airtime on, yeah. on my shows, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think if you're a Republican and you're looking at it in the grand scheme of things, right, 
The House typically flips in every election uh, in, in two years, in 2022. The House usually flips towards the other party who lost the election. So I think Republicans will have that. I think uh, Republicans will hold on to those two seats in Georgia. Um, that, that Purdue guy is old school money in Georgia, by the way. Yeah. He's um, Sonny Purdue's son, isn't he? Or correct. Or, yes. Yeah. And, and it's that, that Sonny Purdue was our guy there for years and years and years. They'll figure out a way to, to get that in. And, and I think he'll, they'll win and retain the Senate. Therefore, because of Biden's age, he'll be, I think he just turned 78 today, actually. Um, mm. he will be 82 when he's running again. That is out of the question. He is probably a one-term president. Um, Kamala Harris is too unlikable to get elected as the president. So even if he dies in office, which he's even speculated, this isn't just like a wild thing. Like Biden's even speculated of like, hey man, who would take over? It'll it'll be, you know, Kamala Harris. Uh, She's too unlikable. She was the first one out on the Democratic side uh, to begin with, you know, in the primary, she was out. People just did not like her. Um, She checked the boxes for what was going on in our country during the summer. And I think that's why she got the gig. But um, I don't think she will win 2024. Um, so I think if you're a Republican, you look at it, you're like, all right, great. We punt, we regroup, we got four years to figure this out. Who's the guy and what it's going to be. Um, the, the, the wild card is if Donald, cause Donald Trump is technically able to run again. That's my, my prediction that he's, he's not conceding. He's running. <laughs> Maybe. I, and I don't know. My money would truthfully be on Ivanka. I think the, the country, oh. I know I, hear, I hear me out all. on this one. I hear me out. Hate hear, them all. Hear me out on this one. <laughs> okay, I, okay. I think the country itself is ready for a female president. Yeah. And I and I think you will have females running on both sides. Um, I don't think me personally, I think the office of president has become more about fame and brand and everything mm-hmm. else. Therefore, how do you stop the Trump name? I personally think there's better candidates on the Republican side, like uh Nikki like Haley. A, Nikki Haley, Dan Crenshaw, Matt Gates. Like there's some young guys, there's some young guns that are out there that that's would be great, but they don't have the brand name. And that's what you're running off of these days. On the left, I think the Democratic Party is fractured um, to the point where you have the AOCs, you have the Bernie Sanders, and then you have the rest of the party that's more moderate, like the Joe Bidens. And you've got to decide who your party is going forward. The problem with it is, is they wanted Bernie out in 2016. Truthfully, I, I think he could have won in 2016. I think he could have won in 2020. But the Democratic Party hated him for some reason yeah. and got him out of there. Like, if, if you look back at uh, South Carolina, when Biden won South Carolina, he was almost out. He was out of funding. He was out of yep. money. The yep. Democratic Party bought out Buttigieg, Klobuchar, um, uh, all my and Elizabeth, favorites, yeah. all, all, Elizabeth Warren. They bought him out on that Sunday night before Super Tuesday, and they ran Bernie Sanders out of that election after Super Tuesday. Yeah, and they he consolidated had no shot Klobuchar and, and Mayor Pete all under under Biden. Those were my favorites, yeah. by the way, on the Democratic side. In 16, I had 15 Republican candidates that I would have voted for. I just could not vote for Trump. I think there's four parties. I think there's four parties right now. I think that the Republicans have the party of Trump, and then they have the party of Arvat, Lincoln Project, uh, Bulwark, uh, Dispatch. So I think those are two very separate parties. And I think the Democratic Party has... AOC, the squad, Bernie, but then they also have Biden, who gave more time to Colin Powell, Meg Whitman, Christine Todman each than than he gave to AOC at the convention. And that's what like really locked up my vote. There's that centrist more. He's the center of the Democratic Party, but I think there's even more folks who could buy into just left of center policies, the ones that Meg Whitman and Christine Todd Whitman and John Kasich are all about right now. 
you know? Yeah. And, and the other part of that is, again, if you're a Republican, Biden is your, that, that was your, that's your best hope out yeah. of uh, that entire primary. Yeah. Like, dude, uh, AOC or not AOC, uh, Bernie, um, Elizabeth uh, Warren and all those guys, like those are, they're too progressive, right? I, I like Booker Republican, just because he's a Jersey boy. I like <laughs> I, look, Booker would have been fine. Um, and if you're looking for a younger guy who would have done it, like, I don't know why the excitement wasn't there for him. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was the Democratic Party that shut him out. It, it was, there was just no excitement there for him, but he's a, he's a great speaker. Yeah. Uh, he's certainly likable. Yeah. And like, to me, when Biden got uh, selected out of the, when the, when the Democrats picked Biden, and this was before the turmoil of this summer, uh, and Biden came out during the first debate and said, I'm going to pick a woman, and I'm going to pick a woman of color, right, as my running candidate. He was stuck to that. Yeah. To me, I, th I think he should have picked Cory Booker. I thought he was more qualified. He was more likable. And if the country went down, or, I'm sorry, if, if Biden goes down and then the country is up to whoever the VP is, Booker would have been more palatable than Kamala. Right. Uh, I just... I don't, I don't get the appeal of her and, and, and a lot of people don't, but again, if you're a Republican, I, as much as you want to bitch about the election or what may or may not have happened, um, if you were to lose Biden is your best one in there because he's the most moderate out of everybody else that was running. Uh, but I, I think, you know, 2024, I would keep eyes on AOC. I really would, <sighs> man. Wait, she's not going to be old enough. I thought you had to be 35. Yeah, she is. She's, she's, oh, so, so she must be like 31 now. Uh, yeah, she's older than that now. Um, oh, I, man. I, uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, the reason why I say AOC is it is about branding. It is about name. Her name is thrown out there every single day yeah. with hatred, the same yeah. way Trump's was in 2016. And she could end up pulverizing people. And the way she's building herself and her brand yeah. behind the scenes, like she's dating this redheaded uh, white tech guy who is doing all the back end shit on her campaign. Her documentary sold for 10 million to Netflix. Oh God, uh, um, it, dude, uh, that's, I, I don't see how you really stop her and her brand uh, going, heading into 2024 because people will not stop talking about her on both sides. And that's the issue with Trump. Like, I think <laughs> the best thing that Democrats could have done over the last four years was never talked about him, never give him any airtime whatsoever. And then, you know, yeah. shit, that, that might've been the end of it. But the problem is you're going to give them airtime for not only here, but for the next four years, because you're not going to have anything to talk about on television. So you're just going to go back to whatever he's tweeting about. Uh, that's going to become your story because you have nothing else to go with. And that's going to give that Trump name more power going into 2024. So are you going to get the candidates you really, really want heading into that next election? Probably not, because let's face it, it is not going to be Biden running at 82 years old. Um, I just that that is way too old. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see it holding up. Uh, I guess we'll see. So last question. Yes. I'm going to get myself into trouble here. Do you have any questions for me? Do I have any questions for yeah. you? Yes. Okay. Are you working your dream job currently? I am. I am. You are. Uh, you know, so Tristan and I, we've had long talks, but I just met Tristan maybe two or three years ago. And I'll tell you what, man, he's become one of my best friends. Um, he's just, just, genuine good soul um and i knew the first time i met him um that he's the kind of guy that i just want to i just want to hang with whatever whether we do business together or we just hang with and he and i have had these long talks over the last year and a half or so because he's hitting the reset button too he's overcome a lot of challenges cancer and stuff like that cancer survivor yep um and uh 
we we came to a couple pretty simple conclusions. One is whatever we do, we want to do work that's meaningful to mm-hmm. us. And two is we want to do that work with people that we want to be in meaningful relationships with. It's as simple as that. So, you know, the truth is I might be wrong about this thing that we're doing, about doing shows that I really believe in, uh, bringing guests on that are really compelling to us. Um, you know, I, I might I might go broke, man, but I don't fucking care because I'm having, I'm having the time of my life. You know, I yeah. feel like e- even even if we get you know, I don't know, like very, very few listeners. I feel like, but look, what we just did right now, like, obviously mm-hmm. you voted for one guy, I voted for another guy. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of things that we end up agreeing on. Um, but we, we had, we had a great conversation, um, you know, and that, that's what this project is all about for me. Talking politics and religion without killing each other. We don't have to be enemies. We don't have to take freaking swords out and, and cut each other down. So, um, Hopefully, you know, hopefully it will be a financial success. But even if it's not, I'm, I'm having the time of my life. I feel like I'm doing meaningful work. I feel like I'm getting to know uh, some really awesome, interesting people on a much deeper level. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it does actually, because I, I, look, I, I am. And with podcasting in particular, like, dude, I enjoy every single day I come into the office and uh, I never know who it's going to be half the time that are the guests on and uh Every day is a, a new challenge and it's interesting. <laughs> and I get to learn about things that I would never get to learn about in this lifetime in any other job in the world. And it is amazing. And I'm extremely grateful. Um, yeah. Whereas there has been times in my life where I was working gigs that uh, weren't necessarily my favorite thing in the world. And uh, uh, it's strange how certain things will come into your life later on where you're like, oh, shit, uh, I'm glad this I had the, the the foresight to see into this one thing or or the other. Uh, it, it is very very rare. That's why I, I always ask that. Ninety nine percent of the people say I I don't like what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, in a day to day, and they I always ask them what their dream is. Um, and this is off air usually, like uh, just real people in real life. And they always have something else that they want to do. And then you talk to them about what's preventing it. It's usually money, kids, or family, or something else. And uh, yeah. you got to make a living at the end of the day. Uh, I'm very very fortunate to be doing that in something that I love. Um, and that's why I'm always curious uh, as to that question, because again, 99% of the time it is no, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not doing what makes me happy. No, and man. As far as what you were talking about, as far as like having a, a normal conversation uh, between a Republican and a Democrat or, or however you want to define us. Uh, I, I want to believe that most people aren't assholes. Yeah. And, you, and you're able to have open dialogue without shouting at somebody else or saying what they believe in is wrong because it isn't whatever people believe in uh religion politics uh whatever it is is their own personal belief and when you start judging that yeah you're not living in the same life they are like you don't have the same family you don't have the same problems therefore it's like dude whatever people need to do to get through the day congratulations man i don't care what you believe in or who you voted for uh and that's the beauty of of this country in particular if we live somewhere else we'd have a fucking problem but we don't yeah yeah. Amen to that. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. So uh, for all of our listeners, make sure you pick up as the sun rises, it dawns on him. <laughs> yes. December 8th, December 8th. December yep. 8th. As the sun rises, it dawns on him. Uh, tune in to Ross Patterson Revolution. 
drinking bros and drinking broettes is awesome. I got to tell you, they, yes. they have a great vibe, a great thing. Get some, get, get some great guests on you're on there. Um, so there's some good, good, good content. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then Plus, drinking bros sports is splitting off, uh, December 1st. So look for that. Um, because that will be a big channel for huge guests. We had Sean Avery on last week. We have Jim McMahon on next week, uh, quarterback oh, awesome. for the 85 bears. Oh, that so, is awesome. Jim yeah, McMahon. yeah. That's great, man. Well, I, again, I really appreciate you doing this, man. And it's good to see you say, Hey to Jesse for us. I will. I'll, I will see her very shortly. I'm sure she is super pissed. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I held you up. <laughs> no, worries. no worries. Love you, buddy. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks again, Ross. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. If you appreciate what you've heard here, please go to iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. That really helps move us up the chart so others can find out what we're up to here. For Ronnie Nathan, I'm Corey Nathan, and we've been talking politics and religion without killing each other. We'll be back in a few days to do our little part in Tikkun Olam.